You are tuned into Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I am your host, Jack Johnson. Follow me on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. I want to dedicate the first part of our show today and talking about Matt Quattrero, maybe why we should pump the brakes a little bit on all of the criticism. Number two, I want to know why the Royals aren't placing many waiver claims on guys and if that is something we should look forward to in the second half. And lastly, this bullpen is completely fatigued. How can the Royals give it some help? Who should they turn to? And we're going to discuss all of that coming up next on Locked on Royals. You are Locked on Royals, your daily Kansas City Royals podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. We want to thank you for making Lockdown Royals your first listen every day. And as always, you can check us out on all those podcasting platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and you can always find us on YouTube. Just be sure to hit that follow button and subscribe. We've had a ton of big numbers over the last couple of weeks, added a ton of subscribers, added a ton of followers. And you guys can always ask me any questions, give me some talking points because I want to make this more so about you guys than me just talking into a mic about this baseball team. You have things you want to know, you can always shoot me questions on Twitter. You can comment on the Twitter page. I'll be having my mailbag segment tomorrow, so be sure to keep an eye out for that on Twitter. And just check out my Twitter handle at JohnnyJ underscore 15. Ask me anything you want to. And if you do ask early enough, I'm going to put it in this video and answer it to the best of my abilities. I thought it would be a a very good talking point to begin the show today in talking about Matt Quattrero and fans' feelings towards Matt Quattrero. And I understand that at the end of the day, it's wins and losses. You are largely going to be judged, critiqued, loved, hated by how many games you win in Major League Baseball. And I think that every manager in baseball out there has a love-hate relationship with the fans. There is no manager out there that is universally loved by the fan base. If you don't believe me, I mean, just go look at any fan base's Twitter followers. You will see in a game that they they blow a lead late, the lineup comes out, oh, there'll be criticism about the manager. Because a manager is the guy that's supposed to take all of the blame. The manager is supposed to be the guy that takes the pressure off the players. When a guy blows a game, it's the manager saying, that was my bad, putting him in there in that spot. Which is what they're supposed to be there for. And managers aren't the exception here. NBA coaches, NFL coaches, right? College basketball, college football, college baseball, women's basketball. If you want to say, I think the individual coaches for individual sports are not really place blame on because it's an individual not a team aspect but in baseball I think managers are usually going to have that love hate you win a game everybody loves the manager you lose a game it's going to be blamed at the foot of the manager and I think with Mac Quattrero what frustrates so many fans is maybe his demeanor and you can always react to this this podcast and comment below but I think it's more so his demeanor than anything the Royals are 40 games under 500 Macrotrero doesn't seem very fiery. He doesn't uh, go out and get ejected like Mike Matheny did or like Ned Yost did. 
But if you didn't know who Matt Couture was coming into this season, then I guess this would be a shock to you. But Matt Couture was coming from an organization where it was all very zen. It was all very calm with Kyle Snyder as the pitching coach. Of course, Matt Couture was the, the bench coach. Paul Hoover's the catching coach. And, you know, Kevin Cash is a guy that from time to time, as a manager will, you'll get frustrated, you'll argue, and you'll get ejected. Matt Couture has been ejected this season. It was much more of a mild-mannered ejection, though. But that's not anything that bothers me. I'm not really getting wound up about his demeanor. And I think with Matt Quattro and for any manager taking over a spot like he did, I'm not sure that for the fans that are calling for his head, wanting him to be fired, understand what he was offered going into this spot. Now, it very well could not work out in the long run. Now, let me be very clear about that. Matt Quattro could be a bad manager next year. The Royals are 30 games under 500, and then there you go. He's a bad manager. He was in over his head, and you let him go. That happens in baseball. At the same time, rarely do you see a manager come into a situation like Kansas City had and turn them around on a dime, right? If you want to talk about new managers out there in baseball this year, ones that are really succeeding, and I'm just going off the top of my head here, a Bruce Boshi in Texas. Well, tons of managerial experience, and Texas has an incredible payroll, and they've got multiple all-stars on that team. So it's a pretty easy job for Bruce Boshi to step into. Okay, how about Skip Schumacher down in Miami? Miami has a great young core, and they still spend a little bit to fill some positions of need. They also had the reigning Cy Young pitcher, who's not having that great of a year, and Sandy Alcantara. But at the end of the day, those two managers stepped into spots where it was, okay, try to elevate us. John Sherman and J.J. Bacola did not look to Macotrero and say, you're going to make us a playoff team this year. You are going to be the leader for a team that is going to lose a lot of games. And I took a lot as what John Sherman said in the press conference as truthful. And I'm going to go with that because until he just blatantly lies, and I get we can you know, get back and forth and argue about the downtown state. I'm talking about on the field. I think when this team was assembled in the offseason, everybody in that front office knew they were going to lose a lot of games. And they needed somebody to make sure that those guys don't lose their minds for the entire season with a lot of losses. McQuattro is in there for a loose clubhouse. He's supposed to be calm. He's supposed to be relaxed. I remember back in spring training, Nicky Lopez had a great quote about McQuattro. And I think some people at the time took it as a bad thing. But he said, sometimes when we're practicing, we don't even know he's there. He is there. He's just watching from the side, evaluating, seeing which guys fit where. And I think for big boys at the major league level, they like that. They don't need a guy barking at him, getting on him after every single game. It's a marathon. It's a long season. And you need a certain manager that fits the personalities, the clubhouse lifestyle. That clubhouse was incredibly tense with Mike Matheny in it. Because Mike Matheny, of course, coming from St. Louis, where he'd managed multiple successful teams, he wants to win every single game. And I'm not saying you shouldn't, but you're treating every single game like Game 7 of the World Series. It's just not. And that wears on players, and it wears on rookies that have never been there at the big league level. And this is what Matt Quattrero was here to do. Have them take an approach where it's very relaxed, they're not getting too high, too low. And down the road, you're hoping that the Royals can emulate a lot of the success that Tampa Bay had for years under Kevin Cash and that coaching staff. That should be the goal. 
But of course, in baseball, it's so unpredictable. You know, Matt Cotrero could be an over his head. He's never had any managerial experience, and that can be a problem. But I'm not going to overreact and say it's time to fire Matt Cotrero after a bad season. Like, take Brandon Hyde, for example, in Baltimore. Brandon Hyde lost 100-plus games, a lot, more than 110, I believe, in two of those years. And in year three or year four, I think it was, it was two years ago, year three or year four, the Orioles lost like 111 or 112. That was in year four. And then you see this year, they're tied in first place for the toughest division in all of baseball. Like sometimes it takes a bit for managers to really get the team they want, they need, and they can manage it properly. How can I judge how good of a manager Matt Quattrero is when this is the bullpen he has, this is the rotation he has, this is the lineup he has, and we can get up in arms about, well, why is he hitting Kyle Isbell in the cleanup spot? Why is he not leading off Michael Garcia? You know, why is Matt Duffy in the lineup? There is no other options out there. This is who the lineup is. This is who the bullpen is. Last night, and we'll get to this later on the show, last night they go to Max Castillo in the seventh inning in a one-run game. Not because he wants to, but because he has to. There is nobody else to go to. That bullpen is completely fatigued. He lost two starting pitchers in one day. Daniel Lynch goes to the injured list, and then you have Ryan Yarbrough likely headed for some time off with a hamstring strain. Maybe he doesn't miss any time. I'm hoping he doesn't because of how hard he worked to come back from getting hit in the face by a line drive. But that's where I'm at right now. Now, Ned Yost had losing seasons in 2011 and 2012. Now, he was largely blamed for the 2012 season with all the young talent they didn't achieve to where a lot of fans thought they would achieve. But then you give it time. In 2013, they got much better. 14, of course, and 15. We know the whole story there. I'm not saying Macquatero is going to get there. I'm not. And I do think this team should be better than where they're at run differential wise. I think they're you know, five games worse than where they should be based off their run differential. That does fall on the manager from time to time. And he's lost the Royals game. But when there's 162 games, there are bound to be losses by a lot of great managers out there for their team. They can lose a lot of games based off who they go to the bullpen, how they construct a lineup, whether they pinch hit or not. Like last night, perfect example. You pinch hit Nicky Lopez in the game after the leadoff guy in Salvador Perez gets on. Nicky Lopez swings first pitch, double play. Nicky Lopez is a big boy. He's got to know when a guy can't find the zone, I'm not swinging first pitch. Like he can't do everything for these guys. Now, does he deserve blame? Absolutely. They're, they're, blame goes around here when you're 40 games under 500. That's the thing. I'm not saying he's going to get all the excuses here. But I will say, I'm not going to lose my mind over a manager, too, that I still believe was the absolute right hire at the time. Brian Sweeney, the right hire at the time. A Paul Hoover, I think he's a great bench coach. I like retaining Alex Zuma. I like to, uh, retaining Keone Duren, Zach Bove, Mitch Stetter, all these guys. No, those are good coaches for this staff. We just want to get upset and up in arms about a team that's this bad. There's not a lot of talent on this team. There's a lot of guys that aren't going to be in the big leagues next year. Now, next year, we get to May and June. I will be more critical. I will be more harsh. If they've not improved whatsoever, then yes, I'm going to have a fair amount of criticism for this coaching staff. But this, these were the right hires here. This is what every Royals fan wanted. 
you go after those organizations that are small market and they are analytical. They did that. You can't go hire managers away from other teams when you're small market, right? When you're saying, oh, well, they got Mac Quattrero, who had no coaching experience. You know, Brian Sweeney was a bullpen pitcher or bullpen coach. That's what teams do. You go after the assistants. You can't just hire away you know, top coaches. You can't just hire Gabe Kapler from the Giants. Why would he leave? He's a manager at a winning team right now. You know, why? How could you pull away Kevin Cash from Tampa? You can't. You say money talks. Well, there's going to be organizations that will do anything to retain those managers. It's about building up those guys. It's usually bench coaches from other teams and pitching coaches, hitting coaches. And Macquatero got this shot. And Kevin Cash raved about Macquatero. And I understand you want to rave about your own guys, but I still stand by that that was a good hire for the Royals. And I'm going to hold off my true criticism until next year. This year, you lose a lot. Okay, you get a top two pick. I'm not saying the tank, but you get a top two pick. I can stomach this year. Next year, I got to see improvement, though. Then I am going to be more critical. He deserves blame, but let's not lose our minds and say that he deserves to be fired after this season. All right, I do want to talk a little bit more about front office moves here and what the Royals can do to bolster that rotation and bullpen after the deadline. That's coming up next on Locked on Royals. You are tuned into Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Johnson. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore 15. Before we go any further, let's give a shout out to today's sponsor and sponsoring this show in eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. As I'm you know, going over these roster moves in my head and, and how I think it's so easy from a fan aspect, from somebody covering them through the media, I think it's easy just to say, well, DFA this guy, DFA this guy, uh, trade this guy, send this guy down to Omaha, move this guy to the bullpen. It all just seems very easy to do. Like I'm playing MLB The Show. Like I'm just playing a video game. I'm just moving these guys back and forth. It doesn't really matter. But I have been very intrigued by the amount of guys that go on the waiver wire after being DFA'd from organizations. And whether they're good or they're bad, they're DFA'd for a reason. They're not a very good pitcher for where they're at, or there's a roster crunch. But I am a little bit surprised the Royals just seem very negligent to going after those guys. They don't seem very interested in the waiver wire. And maybe that'll change after the deadline, right? Maybe after the deadline, we look at this team and they're trying to grab guys left and right off the waiver wire. Now, that's just what seems like could be a possibility because when you trade away Scott Barlow, Guys are getting hurt. You're moving guys up and down. There's going to be spots on this team where you claim them off waivers, add them to the 40-man, bring them up to Kansas City. 
it just feels like this is the perfect year to be doing that right now. In fact, it feels like it was the perfect year to be doing that a couple months ago because of how many guys you were using in the bullpen. And we'll discuss the bullpen in about, oh, five to seven minutes here. But the waiver wire is a really good outlet, I would say, to rebuild your bullpen. We discussed this in yesterday's show, that the difference between Detroit and Kansas City, and right now the margin's about, oh, I think 15 games in the standings, maybe higher than that. The difference in these two teams is bullpen. Detroit, a very reliable bullpen, a very good bullpen. They have significantly improved the bullpen, and they didn't spend money. Hey, Baltimore and their bullpen, they didn't spend money. Cincinnati's another team I bring up. They're not the best bullpen, but a lot of their guys turned out to be really good. And they're not by giving them a two-year deal, a three-year deal worth up to eight to ten million. No, it's not that. It is waiver deals. It is minor league trades. It is you know, calling up guys and develop developing them. And right now, this bullpen, I think, could really use the help of a couple of waiver wire guys. And here's the thing. There is no downside to a waiver wire when you're 40 games under 500. Here's how it works. Okay, there's a list of teams that when a guy is DFA'd, you can place a claim on that player. The Royals, by their record, are second, right behind Oakland. So this player is going to be available to all 30 teams, and it will go Oakland, Kansas City, so on and so forth. Anybody can put a claim on that player. But you go through the teams, and it's whoever is the first to put a claim, that player goes to that team. And then you can add them to the 40-man roster. You can stash them away. But there is no downside. Because here's the beauty of it. They're DFA'd. You claim them. You want to put them in your big league bullpen. They cost nothing. There is no downside here. Oh, and guess what else? If that player's not good or that player gets hurt, You just treat him like any other player on your roster. That player's bad, you can DFA him, and he goes back on the waiver wire. He gets hurt, you can maybe stash him away on the 60-day aisle, keep him for next year. Like, that sometimes is the sneaky way to go about it, right? If you really like a guy and you feel like his stuff's going to translate, well, we just want a full offseason with him. Well, you throw him out there for a couple times, and then maybe you have a phantom IL stint, or maybe he's not pitching as well, and you say, okay, we're going to do a phantom IL stint, but we like your stuff. We're going to work on it. Teams are very used to doing that. It sounds weird, but it happens. I call them phantom IL stints. What I mean by that is the guy's not really hurt. They're just trying to make a roster. Maybe he's not pitching well, and they go on the injured list. Sometimes it's true. Sometimes it's not. And I don't have any actual hard evidence that you know, the Royals have been doing that all season long. I don't. It's it's all assumptions. You can just kind of see you know, down the list. If a guy's been really struggling – and the best way to just help him is you know, give him a couple days of rest, give him a two weeks of rest, phantom IL stint, as I call it. But with the waiver wire, this is the perfect year to do it. And I've had people you know, comment to me on Twitter when I've you know, brought it up that, hey, this is not bad to do a flyer on. It's going, well, I don't want to take a chance on somebody else's trash, right? I want the young guys in the minor leagues to come up and pitch in the bullpen. Well, yes, the Everything would be sunshine and rainbows if all the the young pitchers came up to Kansas City and they all thrived in the bullpen. The reality is you can't just throw a bunch of rookies up there in the bullpen. Okay, you can't just throw Jonathan Bowen in there and Jackson Coar in there. And you can't just throw Evan Siskin and Steven Cruz all up there and and maybe even bring John McMillan and Will Klein. Like you can't just throw all the rookies up there. I want to see eventually a lot of those guys up in the bullpen. 
But there is no harm in placing a waiver claim on a guy. And I think the Royals are in a perfect spot to do it. The best thing that happens is you have a guy that is making next to nothing. He's got multiple years of control, and he's pretty good for your bullpen. Like That's the best case scenario. The worst case scenario is he's bad and he blows games for a team that's 40 games under 500. Hasn't everybody in this bullpen already done that? Have we not seen the Taylor Clark experience? Have we not seen the Nick Whitgren experience? We saw James MacArthur get brought up and give up seven runs and get three outs. Like, that's the worst that can happen for a waiver claim. That's why I think the Royals should be more open to jumping all over that. If guys are being, you know, DFA'd by their team, they're not good. But if you want us to believe in this player development, if you want us to believe in a Brian Sweeney and a Zach Bob, which I do, give them a project. You know, you're not playing for wins and losses at this point. I'm sorry. I hate to break it to somebody who's still caught up in the standings race. You're not playing for wins and losses. You are playing to find out who is talented enough to be on this team next year. It's a tryout. It's an open tryout for the remaining two months here. And once you get to August, I would love to see a bunch of waiver claims, see who can fit, bring up some guys, and see how, how you play with it. I think it's the best way to build a bullpen. There is not a single guy after this deadline I would keep in this bullpen. You know, Carlos Hernandez and Scott Barlow have already said, I think they should trade both. I think you can trade Carlos Hernandez, and I'm not really worried about the team not being able to get outs in the bullpen. They already can't. So I'd like to give it to guys who maybe haven't gotten that shot yet or waiver claims. See if you can work with it because that will build trust with the Royals player development team. You turn around this team with waiver claims and you help this bullpen improve. Look at Detroit. Look at Baltimore. Look at Cincinnati. Those are three teams I like to use because those were teams that were not good. Okay, they were not good for a long time. And then they found a way to find stability. And I think it's through the bullpen. It's the easiest way to start making your team competitive again. Having an eye for talent, being able to scout, being able to work with that, that, that pitching group. You know, it helps that Brian Sweeney worked in Cleveland for so many years with that bullpen that always had a top five bullpen in the American League. And you can work with that. Him and Zach Bove, who came up from Minnesota, can try and work with guys that were failed projects. See if you can turn them around. There is no harm, no foul whatsoever with these guys. There's just not. And that's why I'm all for the waiver claim pickups. And I want to see it start happening in August after this deadline. Once Scott Barlow's gone, maybe once Carlos Hernandez is gone, let's start giving the bullpen some help with guys from other organizations. Let's start having some guys that are 24, 25-year-old guys in roster crunches, bring them over, work with their stuff, see what you got. Last year, they did it with uh, uh, Domingo Tapia, who I thought was not a bad piece. They did it with Yoel Piamps, who now has a sub-2 ERA and striking out more than 10 guys per nine in Milwaukee. That's how you do it. That's how you build a bullpen. All right, I do want to stick on this bullpen here, talk a bit more about it, but more importantly, how fatigued it is. That is coming up next on Locked On Royals. You are tuned into Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Johnson. You can follow me on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore one five. Also check us out on all those podcasting platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and check us out on YouTube. I'm watching that game last night and I see Carlos Hernandez 
coming once again right right after Ryan Yarbrough leaves the game with an injury. And I'm thinking to myself, this is the third straight day that Carlos Hernandez has been used, right around this time too, sixth, seventh inning. And he gives up an RBI single to Miguel Cabrera, who is a shell of, of his former self, still a Hall of Famer, still one of the greatest to ever do it, but kind of had the career path as Albert Pujols had where he just really tailed off at the end of his career. Now, Albert Pujols finished his career on a high note. I don't see the same for Miggy, but you shouldn't be giving up RBI singles to Miggy with two strikes and two outs. Well, Carlos Hernandez does, and I'm thinking to myself, well, it's because he's been pitching the last three days. He's got to be pretty fatigued. And then I think to myself, well, who are they going to go to now? Not going to go to Taylor Clark. Not going to go to Jose Quas. They go to Max Castillo a guy who was just called up from Omaha. And you know what? I'm not going to knock Max Castillo at all. He pitched incredibly well. Three clean innings, only gave up one hit, low pitch count. Liked what I saw from Max Castillo. But it was the fact the Royals used Max Castillo in a one-run game in the seventh inning. Now, let me be clear. I just said in our previous segment you're not playing for wins and losses, right? You're not playing for a situation where you're trying to empty the tank to beat the Detroit Tigers on July 19th in game three of a four-game set when you're 40 games under 500. You're not trying to do that. So I, I think it's not so much that I'm frustrated the Royals are using Max Castillo. It's more so, of, my Lord, they really have nobody else they can go to. And that's why it kind of ties into our first segment with Matt Quatrero. I saw people on, on Twitter last night complaining about a move like that or, or complaining about going to Jose Quas and Taylor Clark in the eighth on game one of this series. I saw people complaining about Scott Barlow being out there too long in the ninth inning when he gave up four runs. My only question is who else do you want them to go to? There is nobody in this bullpen that can consistently get you outs other than Carlos Hernandez and Scott Barlow. And there is a non-zero chance that both those guys are not on the big league team in two weeks. There is a real-world possibility that happens. So how can I really you know, just light a fire and burn everything down in this bullpen when there's not enough guys that I think are even big leaguers in that bullpen. If you had guys that were on big-time deals, right, big-time contracts, and they're just not pitching well, and they're blowing all the games, then I can have very much a reason to be mad at Matt Cotrero, be mad at this bullpen. But I just look at it and go, it's really draw your name out of a hat. That's how it kind of feels like we're, we're rolling here until the deadline. There's nobody else to go to. And I almost had the double take when I saw Max Castillo out there. And I'm going, man, it is a winnable game, but Max Castillo is a spot starter and long reliever. And then I said, well, I wouldn't go to anybody else. Who, who else could I go to? Carlos Hernandez already threw. Not going to Taylor Clark, not going to Jose Quas, not going to Nick Whitgren, not going to Scott Barlow that early. I'm not throwing Austin Cox out there after he'd just been called up that day. There, there's really nobody else I would go to. There's not a lot of options out there. And that is concerning because still, for a big league team, you need to find a way to get 27 outs when you win a game. 
And after Scott Barlow is gone, that's going to get even harder. And I'm hoping that there's going to be some guys down in AAA and AA that can give you some relief. But this bullpen is completely worn down. And I am very concerned they can even get to the finish line. I mean, we're, we're going to play a game at the end of the year and see if we can list off every single guy that threw at least one pitch in relief for the Royals in 2023. And I guarantee it would take us the entire 30-minute podcast because that's how they've had to use this bullpen. It's just a revolving door. You're just going through it over and over and over again. Guys are sent down, brought back up. Guys are being brought up for the first time, sent back down immediately. Starters are going to the bullpen. Bullpen guys are going to the starting rotation. That's just that's how it's gone for this rotation and this bullpen. But more importantly, I mean, this bullpen is just completely shot. And Max Castillo pitched really well last night. I want to tip my cap to him. He gets sent down to Omaha today after pitching three scoreless innings. Zach Grinke's coming off the injured list to make his start here in about uh, two hours or so. So good for Zach Greinke coming back. But the Royals might lose two starters. They already put Daniel Lynch on the 15-day IL. We talked about him in yesterday's podcast. They might put Ryan Yarbrough back on the injured list, depending on the severity of that hamstring strain. But guys are just falling left and right. They're dropping like flies. And with the trade deadline coming up, I'm sure that J.J. Piccolo and, and this front office are going to be a bit concerned if you trade away two of your most reliable guys how could you even finish a game? How can you ever close out a game? Maybe it can happen. Maybe it won't. But one thing is for sure, this is not the bullpen we're going to see in a couple of weeks. We are probably going to see five, six, seven more new guys before this season concludes in late September. That'll do it for another episode of Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. I've been your host, Jack Johnson. As always, be sure to follow me on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. We'll talk a little bit more about this Tiger series tomorrow and preview this series coming up in the Bronx against the Yankees. But until then, you take it easy, Kansas City.